1: Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of Revcovery a podcast about leaving ministry or transitioning in ministry and really a podcast about transitioning from anything or making a change in life, whether that's in your faith or how you live that faith out or whether or not you are going to be a professional Christian anymore. I am Sarah Heath and my co-host is Justin Gentry. And today we welcome to the podcast... Josh Patterson. And Josh has done something that many people wish they could do, and he has become a brewer. So he was a pastor for several years. His story is one filled with unique stories, including the idea of the vision of Jesus literally walking out of the room. What does that look like? How do you notice? There's all kinds of conversations about how do you notice, even after you've left ministry, if you're stepping into something that really isn't for you, if you're just kind of reliving the same patterns, So this is an incredibly inspiring conversation. Check out Josh's podcast, Rethinking Faith. And the brewery that he works for is Full Tilt Brewing. But we're just so glad that we got to have this conversation with Josh. So dig right in. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of Rev Covery, a show about, well, we told you what it was about already in the intro, but really we are a show about people who are leaving ministry, changing ministry, thinking about changing ministry, know a minister, are humans, have thought about transitioning in and out of anything. We're just glad you're here. Speaking of being glad that you're here, we are really glad to introduce to you our friend. You may know him from his podcast as well, but this is Josh. And Josh, you are now the assistant brewery Brewer, you're not the assistant brewery. You're not the brewery yourself. Uh, he's not the tilt. embodiment of
2: the brewery itself.
1: You he know, he's a human. <laughs> you are your own and Josh. He does brew. <laughs> so, Josh Patterson is also the host of. And what is the full title of your podcast?
3: Yeah, the Rethinking Faith podcast.
1: And re is in like parentheses, guys. So yeah, look at rethinking faith. And we met Josh at a uh, the beer fest, and we. So, theology beer camp. I shouldn't say beer fest. It was really about <laughs> theology, not beer.
3: It, okay. That is true. They're just happy. It was theology with that was like had a lot of beer present. Yes. Mm. Theology with beer. Mm-hmm.
1: Theology with beer. Yes. Like, and you
2: know, so, yeah, the Karl Barth like do theology with like the Bible in one hand and newspaper in another. We just kind of threw out one or both of those and did theology with. A beer or right. two in
1: hand. But we were so grateful because Josh actually created one of the beers that was featured, which was really like so fun for our speakers because they saw their faces on. The beer. And so I was excited because you and I were there. We were some of the first that were there. And so you got you and I got to know each other a little bit more than I think I got to know some of the other participants because we were all in different rooms. But I think your story is so incredible. And I just wanted to share it with the world. And I'm sure Justin also got a little bit of it as well. So we want to just share your story as one about, you know, sometimes you transition out of ministry into like a really fun world. And so (laughs) will you share with us a little bit about like how long you served in ministry, what that looked like for you?
3: Yeah, sure. So I first started serving in ministry like vocationally right after graduating college in 2016. Where then He I is work- a
1: tiny baby.
3: <laughs> this is true. This is true. I just turned uh, 28 in September. So but uh, I after uh, graduating, I worked for like a parachurch organization called Youth for Christ, and I did that for... Just like one school year, and then was like, "Wow, graduating from college and then doing a job that requires you to fundraise the entirety of your own salary was a really stupid idea." <laughs> so here, 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 I did yeah. that after grad school. There so. are a lot
1: of people who are going, <laughs> "Uh huh,
3: yep, also me." Yep, <laughs> exactly. So shout out to to uh, those folks who did that as well. But then I, so I stopped doing that, and I I took a job as a teaching pastor of a church in Boca Raton, Florida, that will remain unnamed because it is an evil and vile place, and they no longer deserve any credit or name recognition. So I was there for like eight months, and it was eight months too long. Kind of figured out that uh, it eight
1: months. I was there for eight months, and I've, all eight of them are terrible. I've and
3: also, had, I've
2: also had that position. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was
3: it was rough. It was rough. But luckily, I figured it out quick. I just didn't get out quickly, Mm -hmm. quickly enough. But then I left that spot and became a youth pastor at a Methodist congregation in West Palm Beach, Florida. And I did that for about a year and a half, maybe a little bit longer. And that experience was deeply healing, but also brought all sorts of issues of its own. Had like a really toxic staff culture that was not, not fun. So basically, I got pretty burned out there pretty quick. And we don't um, know I, anyone
1: that was Methodist <laughs> that got burned out.
3: <laughs> me neither. No idea. Yeah. See, I then see then. that. Yeah. Man. I, actually, I do
2: want to pause for just a second. <laughs> and You're like, good. Yeah, it, it is so healing, at least for me, to hear stories of other people that like kept bouncing around to different churches. And we're like, hmm, this is toxic. Hmm, this is toxic. Because I think a lot of people, they start thinking, oh, it must be me. Like Mm -hmm. I must just not know how to pick up or I must not know, or, you know, I, I just may, maybe I'm the toxic one and, and I'm bringing the toxicity. Like it's depressing, but it also is a little bit healing to be like, Oh, so many people have played that kind of game of ping pong, trying to find a quote, healthy church. And it turns out they, they're not common. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so many do not find them. Yeah. So, but anyway, I just wanted to, Point that out. Say that's that's re- sad and refreshing at
3: the same time. Yeah, no, I get it.
1: So you were saying your wife uh, at that point, you were just about to go in. Sorry, we interrupted you because we were just like, wait, hold on a minute. <laughs> We've heard this. <laughs> no, story it's all
3: good. Yeah. yeah, it's all good. I appreciate you naming that because, like, I don't know. I think you're right that that is an experience that so many people had, and like. That was one thing that I had to work through in in therapy and like with my spiritual director was I was assuming that I was the. Mm-hmm. Do you guys allow bad words on your podcast? Oh, yeah. Just let oh, it cool. go. Okay,
1: I wanted to make. <laughs> i to <should laughs> make sure. That's sweet of <laughs> you, though. That's sweet. Yeah,
3: but I was. The, I thought I was the one that was fucked up, and that was like just blowing everything. And like, I mean, I even had pastors, you know, gaslight me in that way. Like, no, you're the you're definitely the problem. It's not us. So anyway, we were like I said we. I maybe I didn't say, but that was in South Florida, and I'm from maryland, uh Baltimore and so my wife and I ended up moving back to Maryland earlier than we anticipated originally because just the first two church gigs did not work out, and I was hired at a church in Gaithersburg, Maryland, that I will name Seneca Creek Community Church because they were awesome. I found a lot of like uh, deep healing there and such. I was with them for like a little over two years and ended up walking, that's when I ended up walking away from ministry it was actually from Seneca Creek. Even though it was deeply healing, I thought that tr- the church culture was good. It was like super beautiful, diverse in many ways, multi-ethnic, like socioeconomic, a variety of like different perspectives, theologically were represented. It was just a beautiful place, but the damage, so to speak, had already been done. And I was wrestling with all sorts of things going through my own, you know, what has been Called deconstruction journey and all sorts of things like that. So I guess in total, I was vocational ministry for like five plus years, somewhere around there. So not super long, but long enough to uh, have a bad experience.
1: Yeah, long <laughs> enough to get the
2: full flavor.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. You definitely had a sense of oh, okay, and and like we mentioned before, if you're trying all the different flavors of it, like oh, maybe maybe if I'm not fundraising. I'll take that pressure off. I'll take that stress off. Oh, maybe if I try a congregation that, you know, I don't want to leave after <laughs> this many months, but eventually if it's not, it's not easy to find a community that you can remain in. And that's a a truth. And I think part of the story of the work that we've done with folks and how people are feeling is that like they often, often the, it takes a long time to process that maybe it wasn't me because from a, a very young age, growing up in the church, especially we're taught like something's like you're the common denominator. So you gotta, you gotta be the problem because we can't imagine these kind of communities that we've always propped up as like the place, like the family or all that kind of stuff. And so it's hard to dismantle that and like really look and see what what's going on there.
3: Yeah. My, (laughs) my wife who is much smarter than I am kind of knew that things were not great, like the whole time. And she was constantly like alerting me to things like Josh people do not deserve to be treated this way like Josh this isn't right they shouldn't have done this they shouldn't have done that whatever and she was constantly like in my ear about this and uh, I never listened to her (laughs) unfortunately because I was so bought into like what these pastors were telling me and I so much wanted to succeed at being a pastor that I was like oh no this is just what it looks like to work in a church and so then I was justifying the own, you know, I don't use this word lightly, but like abuses that are, you know, being put forth against me. So I should have listened to Noel. Yeah, <laughs> is this like the
2: point <laughs> that 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 becomes a den- common denominator too with people that that aren't in it. Like when you start telling them stories of what you experience, like wait a second, no, that's that is an unhealthy work environment. <laughs> and I think too, it 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 is so easy because. Cause this isn't just like a job that you do. This is like the, your calling from God. So it's, it's so easy to then um, kind of default into that. Like, well, you know, any, any sacrifice is worth it then, you know, any, any amount of pain I have to go through is totally worth it because, you know, this is, this is for God. Like I, this is for my crown in heaven, you know, whatever, whatever you want to tell yourself, like it, it, I don't want to put malicious intent on the design necessarily, but it it's stuck around this long for a reason because it's just so easy to buy into in a way that isn't necessarily healthy. so you're at this church in baltimore how 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 do we get from there to the brewery if I can ask?
3: yeah, of course, so I really enjoyed working in this at Seneca Creek. I was the um high school and young adult pastor, and it was cool because they knew about my podcast who so had existed at that time, and it was definitely boundary pushing so to speak even within that denomination it was a um evangelical free church of america which i had no idea what that was (laughs) before i worked in
1: one that's a lot of words
3: it is yeah efca is how they you know the
2: the short version that's probably how anyone's ever heard of it because no one says the whole thing out loud
3: (laughs) right it was efca but apparently they were a shitty efca because the efca does not ordain women And we had not one, not two, but three ordained female pastors on staff. So, and for whatever reason, the denomination let them stick around. But yeah, so I I was there and the head pastor, Mark, awesome guy, definitely, basically, he looked at my questioning of things, my weird theological bends as from like an academic perspective. He was like, I respect the academic, blah, 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 whatever but like also still had this like, but, but here's like the box. You know what I mean? So I could do the podcast stuff and have my crazy Josh thoughts. As long as like within church, I came back to here's the box, which I get it. It makes sense. It's the denomination, whatever. But it just got to a point where internally my internal world and my external world just felt super out of whack and out of line. I felt like I couldn't, Be myself fully from stage. And like, I'm a person who really values vulnerability and transparency to the point where like I tend to overshare things. (laughs) And so that was really difficult for me. And I was also too, it didn't help that like the other youth pastors in the area didn't really like me and they were always like conspiring against me. Like, they would call parents and like text students and be like, hey, Pastor Josh is dangerous, like, don't listen to him, don't let your students go to his youth group, all this kind of stuff.
1: Because of Um, the podcast? Because you were known as someone who was questioning?
3: Exactly, yeah, because of the podcast, and also I kind of, like, my ministry philosophy, so to speak, was I like to offer students a wide variety of perspectives, rather than just one. And maybe I would couch it in, like, here's what, you know, Pastor Mark might say, here's what the official denomination says, but here are also these other perspectives that fit within like the broader Christian tradition. Cause I figured like if I just told them one thing, they could pull up Google and figure out that <laughs> that's not true in like two seconds. So might as well just be honest with them.
1: So this is the thing that's called the death of an expert uh, that so yeah. many, <laughs> so many churches and so many school systems are trying to figure out what to do. So because Google and we have all this sort of stuff, like there is no longer people don't believe just what i say like i no one believed me because i have ovaries in the first place but no one is just like walking in there's never like an assumption like you hear something and what do you do you like google it to go huh right and so this interesting thing that like so much has had to shift because of it and the last two things that are having a really tough time figuring out how they're going to shift are i think the church as well as education which kind of makes sense to me
3: yeah that's interesting i mean and again it makes sense yeah so that I don't know, from that, like, my own, like, inner, I don't know, discontent's not the right word. Existential dread and ontological insecurity is what my therapist told me. Um, <laughs> nice.
1: <laughs> um,
3: yeah. So, basically, the best way, I, when I like to describe it is, like, if do you guys know who Bo Burnham is? Yeah. Yeah. So, Bo has this song at the end of uh, my favorite special of his, which is Make Happy, where he basically makes fun of Kanye West, but then the whole song is actually... Like it's super meta because it's like a song about him uh, as a performer, and he keeps breaking character, and he's trying to say, "Look, I'm depressed. I, you know, all this kind of stuff." And then he goes back and says, "Like oh, you guys don't want to hear that, though. Let me go, you know, make you happy." And he has this line. Oh, I that, totally know that song you're talking about. It's rough. Yes, yeah. It's yes. It's it's awesome. And at the end of it, he has this line, and he basically says, "Like I'm my job is to get up here and offer you guys something that I can't even give myself." And that's how I felt as a pastor. Oof. Yeah. So when I first saw that, I like sitting on my couch, just started crying. <laughs> I was like, Bo understands me.
1: <laughs> that's interesting because I, you're not the first pastor to express that, that exact song record. Yeah. Mm,
3: interesting.
2: I, yeah. I honestly, I think stand-up comedians, certain ones, not all of them, but there's a, there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. And, or at very least I think sometimes comedians are allowed to say the things that we want to be able to say. And when they're able to say it in a way that we wish we could have been able to say it, it does wreck you. Like, it's like, I'm supposed to be the one telling the truth here, but I, um, I, it's like you, it's like they exposed the, the chains for a second that you didn't know you were in you're like, Oh, Oh, Oh shit. Like I, I am trapped. And yeah, I think, I think, I think comedy, honestly, I think comedy and theology should go hand in hand more often because they, you know, I, I think they're, they're the same they're the same in a lot of ways. Well, it's yeah. a way
1: of safely addressing that which is painful. Like if we can put a, like a little bit of a barrier between. So if we're like laughing at the thing, then the thing doesn't have power. Right. I think that's the like the truth of the matter is, it's really painful to feel like you're living two different lives. It just is. And it's painful to feel the pressure of performing during that says the three you know i <laughs> you know i the last time i wept watching a tv show was Shit's creek and it was the scene where one of my favorite characters stevie because um i think we've talked about it before but i've often been accused of being if stevie and alexa ran into a person and made a person and it would be me <laughs> which fashion is alexa a little bit of like i have a little bit of an alexa vibe but also then the stevie like almost tomboy so Stevie, the character who plays Stevie, sings maybe this time. And in that season of my life, I felt, and sometimes still to this day, I feel left behind because of all my years in ministry, because of all the ways that I put sort of the facilitation of other people's lives first. I, I felt like I didn't have a life. And I felt this, like when she's singing, she just like throws her whole body into like, when is it my turn? And I feel like for me, that show that's so funny opened my heart up to then like the raw of like, I feel left behind and I didn't have words for it, but seeing that happen. And then I'm like, why am I crying? And I'm crying because you brought me in with the humor and then you you said the thing, which he's famous for, right? A lot of his his stuff is dark and yet needed, right? And so I think it makes sense to me that a comedian would be the the heart cracking and opening moment where you're like, Oh, wait a minute. Am I, am I the one on the stage? Yeah. very,
3: Yeah, very much so. I even like, I haven't done anything with it, but I wrote like a, I don't know, and a meditation we'll call it called Can I say my shit where I took the lyrics from that song and then like told my story through each line and like kind of made like paralleled comedian with pastor. It was a lot of fun. It was Ooh. healing exercise for me. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I'm, I want
1: to hear that.
3: I'll have to say I'll send it to you guys PDF or something.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, because I think, <laughs> that's, the, think? Yeah. that's the moment when we start to see ourselves in others, because so often. Yes. In our position, we don't see ourselves in others. Like, yes, we're, we're meant to be set apart. We're meant to have. Like an entirely different vibe. We're meant to like, I mean, you're being called dangerous for having what I would argue are probably the exact same thoughts as most of the dude bros who are sending that text. There is this like, there's that verse, you know, about like those who lead people astray. And that always get, used to get thrown at me all the time for, you know, you got it, stay in the box. Like you said, like, oh, these ideas are great. Also, don't say them on Sunday. <laughs> so that's like. oh, <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. And that. Internal dissonance was just like too much to bear. But then, when I considered, like, well, I don't feel very much like a pastor was like a common phrase I would tell people. I, luckily, I got paired up with a spiritual director at the time, and that's really who helped me kind of walk through the decision to step away from ministry, because it was like a somewhere between a six and eight month process of wrestling with this idea because I thought that I was somehow like giving middle fingers to God or like ditching my calling or something like that. And also I had conflated my identity with my vocation. And so I only could exist in this world with Josh's pastor. And my spiritual director was the one that helped me to separate the two, which was huge. That was, Sid is awesome. That was like
0: one of the
1: yes, nice, the
3: best gifts Same people have Sid. ever given me.
0: <laughs> Everyone
3: needs a Sid.
2: Yes, very um, question, much
1: so. Josh, whose voice like, so you say like you meshed, right, essentially with this identity of pastor and there was no person. Was it that your parents had that expectation? Was it just that you were super involved in a youth group and you thought this is who I am? Like, Because I'm often wondering where we get this idea because I was the same way. Like what made me have an absolute breakdown my last year of ministry was someone asked me who I was when I wasn't Pastor Sarah. And I literally just looked at the person and started bawling and said, I don't know. I don't know anymore. Mm hmm. Like, what yeah. do you, where do you think that voice was coming from? Was it internal voice? Was it external voices?
3: Yeah, maybe a bit of both. So I had the, uh, we'll call it a privilege, of having a microphone, you know, stuck in my face when I was in like sixth grade. So I kind of was like always singled out, you know, by my youth pastor growing up and given the opportunity to, to preach and to do all sorts of stuff like that, which was awesome. Like, I don't, I'm thankful that uh, Justin gave me those opportunities, but it kind of like,
1: not this, I guess that's clarity, a, not this Justin. We are not
2: older this Justin, not so different Justin. I, mm-hmm. I am old enough to have been that Justin, I probably. Know,
1: <laughs> <to> <laughs> but
3: a separate separate youth pastor, not this Justin. But yeah, so like that was during a very formative time. So I started to kind of build my identity around being like that good youth group kid, the youth group leader, yeah. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 and yeah. then, you know, I knew that like, I was going to go to a private Christian college. So I did that. I actually kind of pushed off the idea of being like a youth pastor or something. Cause I was like, they're not going to make any money. And then I went in as a computer and information science major and ended up graduating with a degree in graphic design and youth ministry. So it's a, a long story, but I did that. And I guess some of the, like my parents were always so super proud to like tell people that I was a pastor. And so I think there was a big fear of like, even though i have a, so i have a very positive relationship with my parents but like there was still this idea that i thought like oh well if i don't do pastor anymore then like are my parents still going to be proud of me so like there was that voice <laughs> which is funny cuz my wife the whole time was like i don't like being a pastor's wife <laughs> you should do something else <laughs> I, yeah so it was yeah. it was a little bit of both and then there was also too some ego built up in that right like oh well, i'm a i'm a pastor that's like the besides maybe a missionary that's like the coolest thing you can get if you know you're a christian is pastor so there was kind of some of that as well you know if it's I'm so honest.
1: funny too because like i feel like once i broke that like i need i need to be a pastor i need you know whatever i you, you go out in the world and you realize the rest of the world is like what
0: <laughs> like you don't want to tell people here we, hey, we actually were you a just- cult leader <laughs> you can listen wherever you get your podcast. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. <laughs> like in our
1: Discord channel, somebody just put up, which was so incredible, Justin, I don't know if you've seen it, like how to write that you were a pastor without writing you're a pastor. Yeah, yeah. And then all these other people have been putting up, like, it's really great. Like just this great document that everybody's like loading on and helping out for people who are you know writing their resume because you do have to be like i did all these things but the title pastor was the problem when it comes to trying to be hired in the secular mm-hmm. world
2: I've, I've noticed that just even on like linkedin and stuff like when you scrub when you scrub pastor from your title your little profile like recruiters are not scared of you anymore suddenly yeah. so it is <laughs> you know that's and, and that's and for anyone that's like hate listening right now that's not persecution that's no. just the world that we live in like that, I, I never felt persecuted because no one picked me because I used to be a pastor. That's just, cause there's so many connotations there that, and people, if you're not in it, you just don't know what pastors do. Right. You just are, are not like, what, it, what was this person's job? Were they just like a dorm mom for a hundred adults? <laughs> I don't, you know, like what, what is it that they do?
1: I, I remember my friend being like super serious because they knew me as someone who can, Quickly learn things, so lines and things like that. And so he imagined that it would take like a day for me to learn a sermon. So he's like, So do you work like two days a week or like? And he was serious. He's like, What do you like? You work like I'm imagining you write your sermon one day and then you just like give it on Sunday. So you work like two days a week. One day. Nice. I was like, No, no. And so I, I think there is this like magical experience of being like, Oh, no, 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 there's all these other things that we do and once we like take our name off can you take me back to that moment when you're like okay i'm not going to be pastor josh i'm going to have some other like at the time were you working at a brew how how did you become who you are because you're pretty like high up in a brewery which is not easy to do can you talk a little bit about like how you got from here to there
3: yeah so it was difficult because like when i was putting out applications to work in breweries Everyone saw pastor and they were like, "Mm fuck that. We don't want you working here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was difficult. But finally, there was one. So I got I started actually I started bartending in a brewery, actually in full tilt where I work now when I was still a pastor. And just as like a fun thing to do, because I really like craft beer. I was homebrewing and I was like, this is a fun thing. Let me like have fun doing this and not have to wear a pastor hat. So started doing that, and then ended up, like I said, leaving a church. And I, f- I was given an opportunity to come on as a bartender at the first brewery that I ever worked at, which was called 1623. And it was really cool. The The lady who hired me, Carrie, was awesome and kind of heard me out and asked me about pastor stuff and how I could see that translating to the brewery world. And basically. You know, asked all the right questions to make sure I wasn't a cult leader (laughs) to go back to what you said earlier, Justin. Yeah. So that was really cool. So I started there as a bartender. And what I didn't know is Carrie was planning on leaving and she was the GM. And then I became the GM when she left. And then this is a weird sentence.
1: This part is very this is a part that like when you and I were talking, I thought people would be able to relate to this part of your story, because I think yeah, you're moving on up. And then what happens?
3: Yeah. (laughs) So I became the GM, which was awesome. But then I hated it for so many of the same reasons. I didn't like being a pastor. It was hard. (laughs) It was difficult. I didn't get to see my wife. I was never home. There was so much responsibility. There was like a lot of perfection that was demanded. Um, I think in ways that were not uh, realistic like very much unrealistic expectations. And so I decided that I didn't want to do that anymore. Actually, I was, this was one of the first times I actually trusted like the intuitions of my body, uh, which this was is, all new yes, language yes. to me at the time. Yeah. yeah, And I was in the middle of like some contemplative prayer. I was doing an imaginative prayer. And basically when I had been doing these in the past, Jesus was always at the bar, like drinking with people And ordering another round, right? Mm -hmm. And this time when I was praying, Jesus was no longer at the bar. And I was like, whoa, what the heck? Like, where's Jesus? And I noticed like Jesus was over at the exit, like it's like it's time to go kind of thing. And but first, you know, here's this group of people that was like between Jesus and the exit that I had to forgive uh, on my way out. And that broke me. So I like went during my prayer time, I like forgave these three very specific people. And then, like, walked out with Jesus. And then this was like a deeply, I know it sounds crazy and woo woo, but it was like a deeply, like, mystical experience where I felt like my mind, my heart, and my body were all kind of fully aligned. And when I was done praying, I opened my eyes and was like, I'm going to quit being a general manager today. (laughs) And then I I did. (laughs) And then I did.
1: (laughs) Because you learn to trust your body. That's something that, like, we've had a couple of people share with us, like, this experience of, like, you know, I start out, I've, I've got a new job, and all of a sudden something will remind me of what it was like, and my body says, nope, and they're shocked by it at first, and sometimes you have to press through it, right? And then sometimes, like, you got to listen to the, you got to listen to Jesus exiting the, the bar, which makes me laugh because my friend has a country song uh, that he sings called Jesus, take the wheel and drive me to a bar. I'm just imagining Jesus is leaving <laughs> to be like, all right, guys, I'm we'll gonna drive y'all home. Um, but there is that like, since we're like learning to figure out what is the like pain to press through so you can work through it, or this is too much, there's something in here that is so similar to what I went through before, and my body is shutting down and I can't do this anymore. And then having the like bravery because the world looks at you and they're like, moving up the ladder again it's moving up the ladder again and you're like no no and I, I think that gives permission for other people to go like am i taking this job because my ego tells me i need to and that's why i used to take jobs or am i taking this job because it is something that like i feel like i want to do and that it's a good fit so thank you for giving people permission
3: yeah well you named you named that super well which is interesting because i hadn't quite like, thought about it that clearly before, but I think you hit the nail on the head, like, so when I was working in the church, part of also why I left was, I like, when I first started at the first churches, when I started, I developed, like, a really deep depression, and my anxiety, which I've always kind of had anxiety, but, like, was through the roof, and so that carried on with me through my time as a pastor, like, that never went away after it started, and I was getting much better after I was just a bartender, right, (laughs) and pouring beer was great, but then once I stepped back into that role, I started having those like affective responses in my body. And so like the same kind of things. Yeah. So it it was you named it well, Sarah, and it made a helpful connection for me. So thanks. But yeah, that's that's why I stopped doing that. And then I just was pouring beer for them again. But then was it was super awkward. Like I could kind of <laughs> tell that even though they were being nice, they kind of wanted me to leave. So I, <laughs> I took another job at a, as a... Uh sellerman which forgive the patriarchal language, but essentially in the brewer world, that's like, cl- like referred to as like the brewer's bitch, where you do all the stuff that like nobody else wants to do. It's a dirty job. It's a messy job. It's just like cleaning kegs, cleaning tanks, cleaning up after the brewer, stuff like that. And so I was doing that for maybe only a couple weeks at the new brewery. And then uh, one of the brewers quit. And my boss was like, hey, Josh, you want a promotion? And I was like, absolutely. <laughs> and so then they, uh, they taught me how I to just brew it. imagine you like <laughs> knee deep in a keg.
2: Like, yes, get me out of yeah, here. Yeah, <laughs> exactly
3: right. That is your uh, imagination is serving you well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was also, I started brewing for them. I was a little bummed because in my mind, promotion means pay increase. And mm. basically all I got was increased responsibility with no pay increase. <laughs> that happens, <laughs> so yes. I was, I was doing that for like three months and then full tilt ended up, you know, finding out that I was brewing and, you know, learning how to brew over at, um, this other spot. And then they kind of like, basically there's a big situation. Their assistant needed to be fired. And the day, literally the day that I asked for promotion at my old job was the same that night, Nick, the owner of full tilt, uh, called me and was like, Hey, will you come brew for us? And I've been at Full Tilt now ever since, coming up on a year. Actually, yeah, November will be a year. And I've been brewing for them, and it's been a blast. I really love it. There's a beautiful community of regulars that come in. The staff is fantastic. We're kind of like a family. Um, Everybody's just as immature as I am, which is nice. (laughs) We goof around a lot and have fun. It sounds so healing.
1: Like Just hearing you talk about that you found community. Like, I remember listening to you talk uh, just to some folks. Cause, like, let's be honest, at Theology Beer Camp, you were like, everybody's like, that, whoa, you do the thing that all of us do in our basement. um <laughs> And it was just so cute. Cause there'd be like these gaggle of men just sort of following you around. It was mostly men. There are some female brewers that were there, by the way, but they would just like follow you around, like, tell us the thing. And it was so neat for to hear that you have found this community after feeling so disembodied feeling so separated, feeling so, I don't know, like that your doubts weren't brought in. And and then to find this like community in a space and place that, you know, I think a lot of us know is a place that people find community. Uh, listen to the Brits. It's like the one thing we've got right, guys, is like go to a pub, find some friends. But it is this beautiful story of like learning who you are and what you will say yes to and what you will say no to, and then sort of just trusting the process. Because it sounds like you some of that anxiety was sort of lessened by the experience of just sort of surrendering to like whatever is that.
3: Oh yeah, for sure. Like my, as far as mental health goes, working at Full Tilt has been like one of the best things I've ever done for my mental health. Like it, Noel always, you know, talks about like, yeah, it's so nice. Like you're, you're happy, you're not stressed. Like it's so, it's, so it's really cool. It's an awesome, and awesome environment. And also one thing that was healing to me that, What's kind of surprising. It was like almost like a culture shock, if you will. But nobody in the brewery world gives a fuck about my theological opinions. <laughs> <laughs> and so weird. if they ask me a question, I can just be like, here's what I think. And they'll be like, oh, that's cool. You know, whereas mm-hmm. if I were to say that to the wrong kind of person, they'd be like, that's heretical. And it's this, it's that's whatever. So like them not caring and just Allowing me to speak and say my thoughts with no judgment or any preconceived notions has been amazing. Like Bryce, the the head brewer at Full Tilt is not a religious person, but he asks me like theological questions or my, you know, allows me to speak about things that he doesn't really care about um, or that he doesn't have any ties to. And it's really cool because then I can just like bounce ideas or like share weird thoughts I have and be like, how does this hit you? Like, what does this make you think, you know, with just an outsider who has no, I, I hate that word outsider, but I mean, they're not from within, like they didn't grow up in the Christian yeah. evangelical right. Right, right, right. bubble. But yeah, so that's been very healing. And then the only thing like, cause I don't want to paint, you know, so much, you know, rainbows and butterflies that everyone's now like, I'm going to quit being a pastor and go brew beer. Do that if that's what you want to do. But the thing that I that is lacking for me is there's still this part of me that loves teaching and that loves helping people. And so one way that I kind of scratched that itch is by doing my podcast, Rethinking Faith. But like being in maybe this will sound like silly, but being invited to be a part of Theology Beer Camp by Trip was like, like such a cool thing for me. I was so excited and it was just cool because then again, I at Beer Camp, I was the first time I was in a like Christian space where I felt that I could be fully myself. I could say all of my weird theological thoughts and whatever. I didn't have to worry about the language I was using. A reverend was just like deeply loved and accepted. It was super cool. So spaces like Rev Covery and what Trips doing with Homebrewed are kind of like the communal spaces I find myself in now. That kind of scratched some of that itch that I'm, you know, have been missing. But I definitely could not go do full time vocational ministry. I would not, (laughs) it would not work well. But I still want to help people. I still want to, I like helping people think through faith crisis and help teach them different spiritual practices to get, you know, more in touch with the divine or love or source or the universe, whatever language you prefer. So. That's, I, that's the only struggle I have is trying to figure out ways to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: I love that, Josh. And I love that you have been just such an incredible, I, I want to say resilient. Um, it's the word that comes to mind. Like a lot of folks who listen to this podcast are people who are, have had to be resilient, have had to reevaluate, had to like pivot. And um, I love that you're being honest about like pivoting was hard. And yes, I have this job that everyone thinks is so cool. But also there's some pain in it. There's some pain in letting go of some of the things. And so finding spaces and places where you can, you know, uh, itch that, scratch that teaching itch and your podcast does a great job of doing that, helping people create community around rethinking their own faith or what wherever people are and letting people be who they are, where they are is a, is a really unique thing right now, for sure. I think there's, I think more spaces are opening up like that, but it's not abundant. So thank you so much for being on the show, for sharing with us. Is there One thing that you would say to folks who are trying to figure out, like they know that their body doesn't belong maybe where they're at. What is a helpful thing? I mean, I love your idea of imaginative prayer. Is there something that you would suggest for folks who are kind of thinking through that?
3: Yeah, don't don't do it alone. I try to do it alone for a long time, Uh, you know, even, you know, sheltering my wife (laughs) out of those kind of thoughts that I was having. And it wasn't until I had a spiritual spiritual director. That I was willing to kind of open up and explore those things and then find like, you know, I think community is super helpful. I know that's like a very christian thing to say, but I think there's just truth in that. So don't do it alone. Find someone that you trust that you can talk to. Find a community of people who love you for who you are and uh, will support you, but also tell you when you're being an idiot because sometimes we do be idiots, you know, and I appreciate when my friends tell me that even if I disagree with them.
1: Sometimes we and do also- idiots. I like
3: that. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially when we can't speak the English language properly, especially we do be idiots. But also I just I want people to know that God is closer to you than you are to your very breath, that you are loved and that you belong. And yeah, if you can metabolize those ideas and kind of bring them into your heart space and into your body, it'll be deeply helpful. Yeah.
1: My friend, thank you so much. Where can friends find your uh brewery company can they find it online can they order it can they look at the cartoons they're so good <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah I, so F- i've got hanker Tilt, a hankering for some of website. that process
3: beer yeah process party right look i was secretly drinking it this whole time <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh yeah so full it has you know we have a website we also have an instagram feed which is fun we make all sorts of dumb videos on there and put our labels up and such yeah I, as far as like ordering beer goes i know it's like there's laws about it and stuff so like if you're in maryland you can come visit us we're in baltimore and i know people are like oh the city's scary and like just come hang out get over it. it's all good
2: there every day there are scarier <laughs> cities it's right and uh,
1: also yeah. scary is in the eye of the beholder thank you so much for joining us and thank you so much for listening friends
2: Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you are enjoying the conversations you hear on Rev Covery, you can continue the conversation with us and many more incredible people in the Rev Covery Room on Discord. To access our Discord, please join our Patreon to become part of the Rev Covery Room community. You can join for as little as $4 a month, and this helps us produce the show as well as gives you access to the community resources. Check it out at www.patreon.com revcovery Rev Covery. We know that not everyone is able to financially support the show, but there are lots of ways to support us, including giving us a five star review wherever you're listening right now. And make sure to like and subscribe across all social media. Recovery Room is our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook handle, so you can find us there to keep the conversation going. Now, on to some final thoughts and this week's poem.
1: Friends, again, thank you for listening to this episode of Recovery. As I was listening to the conversation with Josh, I was thinking about this idea of learning to trust ourselves, and it's one that keeps coming up again and again. For a lot of us who grew up in different church settings, we grew up not trusting our own voice, not trusting our own belief that we could possibly know what the next right step is. And so learning how to really tap into our own body and tap into our own mind and our own feelings is something that kind of is something we're developing, something that didn't just come naturally. So I wanted to share with you guys this quote that I saw a while ago, and I'll admit I originally Originally, wasn't going to share it because it doesn't have um, any credit. So if you know who said this, it's unknown, but I love this idea. A bird sitting in a tree isn't afraid of the branch breaking because her trust is not in the branch, but in her wings. Friend, I, I hope that you're able to figure out kind of where your wings are and where you are going to next. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next week.